Amen. And I, I say that we're in a few difficult chapters in the book of Exodus because there's a few chapters in the Bible where as you're going through them, you feel like, man, what, what, is, what does this apply to me? And really, uh, uh, as we go through these chapters, there's a lot of uh, details. You know, keep in mind that, that this is written to, to the children of Israel. Yeah, therefore, it's for our application. And yeah, it's for, for ad, our admonition, like the Bible says. But uh, in reality, you know, if unless we're going to build an altar uh, to the exact same dimensions as what's described here, there's, there's really no need for us to go through every single one of the of the of the of the verses and stuff because most of them you'll see that they're measurements and requirements for building an altar and so we, and the tabernacle so really we get to the, to the chapters in the book of Exodus where God now that He's given uh, Moses well through the children of Israel through Moses He's given them instructions and laws concerning the people and how they are to act how they're to govern how they're to uh, conduct themselves uh, you know He's established laws in the land right so there won't be uh, just a, a land of anarchy we see that that now God is is continuing to give Moses instructions for building what's known as a tabernacle, which means uh, a dwelling place, meaning that it would be the place where God's presence would dwell amongst the people and they would go and meet with them. You know, it was like their church, right? And we see that God is establishing now the, the building of the tabernacle. He's going to establish the, the, the building for all the utensils that they're going to use in there. Everything was going to be made by hand. They're not going to go to Home Depot and buy what they need and put it all together. And they had to make everything by hand. And so we see that God's going to give them specific instructions in those and those things, and as we go through these chapters, one verse that's going to stand out is as God is speaking to Moses, he tells them, make sure that you do everything exactly according to the way that, 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 that you were instructed to here on the mountain. And we'll see, we'll, see, we'll see why a little later on. But going on to beginning there in chapter 26 now, so as we go through these chapters, a few of them, I'm just going to kind of skim through or just give us like the, the, brief, the, the brief overview of them. Right, because there's there's no uh, there's no need for us to go through every single every single verse and break it down. Right, it's kind of just it's itself uh, self given there. And so then trying chapter 26, it says, moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen. Uh, then he gives specific colors of linen. It says blue, purple, scarlet, and he says with a, with an artistic design of cherubim. He says you shall weave them. And he says the length of the curtain shall be 28 cubits. The width of each curtain is going to be four cubits, and every, every, every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. He says five are going to be coupled together. He says the other five are going to be coupled to another one. He says uh, you're going to make sure that, uh, says that, that, that all of them match all the same. And so really what we're seeing that as he's giving him, as he's giving him the, the instructions for these things, we see that you're going to see different, different colors of, of cloth, different colors of linen, different materials used, even different types of metals as we go down the chapters. And we see that, that, that as far as the metals go, each one of them had a significance. Each one of them had, a, a, they, they stood for something, right? It was a symbol of something else. And so not just here, but anywhere in the Bible, as you're reading through the Bible and you see uh, the gold emphasized, we see that gold actually symbolizes or it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's representative of God's deity, meaning, you know, talking about the glory of God, right? As we're going through the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings, we see how later on we're going to see that the, that, the, that the street where it says paved with gold, you know, and, and I personally don't, don't, don't think that it's a literally gold that we're going to be walking on, right, and dancing on, but it's talking about the glory of God paving the streets of heaven, right? When it talks about the, the tabernacle in heaven and the city, the new Jerusalem uh, uh, covered in gold, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no need for, 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 you know, a monetary, you know, things up in heaven, right? Because we're not going to need for it. We're not, we're not going to need those things anymore. 
and we're, we're not going to have to go to work anymore, make an income, and, you know, pay bills. You know, but we see that, again, when it, when it symbolizes a gold, it's representative, it's symbolic of, uh, of the glory of God. And so here, too, in the building of the tabernacle, as God instructs Moses to use gold on certain, on certain things, right, it's supposed to, to symbolize and to, it's supposed to, to, to represent the deity of God. We see that later on, he's going to instruct him to use silver, which, which symbolizes redemption in the Bible. Any, anytime in the Bible that you see silver used, it's always symbolic or representative of God's redemptive work. And then we're going to see him uh, instruct Moses to use brass or bronze on certain items. And in the Bible, whenever you see bronze used, it's always representative of judgment. If you remember there in John chapter 3, as, 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 as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, right, he brings up a story in the Old Testament. He says, just as just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And so Jesus brings up an Old Testament story to Nicodemus there in John chapter 3. And the story is, we're going to read in the book of Numbers, that the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and they began to just complain against the Lord. They began to just murmur against them. You know, when Moses wasn't around, they began to be like, man, that Moses, man, he thinks he's all that. Man, God, I can't believe God for us out here. He's going to kill us out here. And they began to just murmur among themselves against God. And of course, God heard the complainings. And so what he did is that, is that God caused a bunch of serpents to come out from the wilderness and begin to bite them. And as, as they were getting bit, they were dying. They were just uh, dropping dead. One, you know, uh, they were, people were just dropping dead whenever they would murmur against the Lord. And so we see that the Lord instructed Moses to make a bronze serpent and set it up in the, in, uh, there in the camp of the people. And he said, anybody who just looks at this bronze serpent, is they're going to be healed. Right? Again, because bronze is symbolic of judgment. Meaning, hey man, if they, if they just look at this bronze serpent that's set up, that means that, that their sin is already going to be judged. You know, they're going to be healed of it. And that's why Jesus said there in John chapter 3, hey, because just like the serpent was set up in the wilderness, yes, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Why? Because Jesus took that, that judgment upon himself. And so we're going to see as, as God gives Moses instructions for the building of the tabernacle and he tells him to use bronze, the, color, the, the metal bronze for certain things. Again, that's symbolic of, of God's judgment uh, taking place. We see that blue is uh, the color blue, symbolic of, of heaven here. And as we go into, again, now the, the materials, the cloth colors, we see that purple, uh, always in the Bible, is symbolic of royalty. Even in the New Testament, if you remember the story when, uh, when, when, Paul, when Paul the Apostle and, and, and his buddies were going to the city, I believe it's uh, uh, Philippi, it says that, that they found one lady, her name was Lydia, so that she was a seller of purple, meaning that she was selling this expensive cloth that was used, you know, and for royalty. And we're going to see that, that, uh, that scarlet, you know, or red is, is representative of just of death, you know, of slaughter. Um, and, and we're going to see also that the Lord is going, to, is going to instruct Moses to cover the tabernacle or to make certain coverings out of goat's hair, or out of a, a goat or, or ram skins, right? Again, now symbolic of just a covering that God has, you know, over his people. And so it goes on to say there in verse 7, it says, You shall also make curtains of goat's hair to be a tent over the tabernacle. You shall make 11 curtains. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the width of each curtain shall be 4 cubits. And 11 curtains you sh uh, shall all have the same measurements. And you shall couple 5 curtains by themselves, 6 curtains by themselves, and double over the 6th curtain at the forefront. And going down, it says that you shall make 50 bronze clasps. Put the clasps into one loop. And couple the, the tent together that, that it may be done. He says, the remnant that remains of the curtains of the tent and the half curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle and a cubit on one side and a cubit on the other side of the remains of the length of the curtains 
of the tent shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle. On that side you shall, on that side and on that side to cover it. And he says, you shall make, verse 14, a covering of ram skins dyed red for the tent and a covering of badger skins above that. And, and really, as we go through a lot of these things, you know, I, I say a lot of these things don't really, uh, don't really pertain to us. And unless you're going to go home and take this as an instruction book on how to build your own tabernacle at home, do it yourself, then, you know, it, there's really no, 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 uh, no, no need for us. There's no application for it, for, for us. But we see that, that it has a, a broader application fulfilled in the New Testament. Right, because we're going to see that as we go through every single one of these things, and as God gives Moses uh, specific instructions and says, hey, don't veer from these instructions, we're going to see why. Because it's actually uh, speaking of the finished work of Christ in the New Testament. Later on in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews is going to refer to all these Old Testament uh, rules and regulations and building, and, 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 uh, and building codes and, 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 uh, and building instructions, and he's going to tie in the fulfillment now to Christ in the New Testament. And so we see that, uh, that he's instructed to, to make curtains out of goat's hair. Um, he, we're told that, they, that uh, the curtains were to be of goat's hair. He says, uh, for a tent over the tabernacle. We're told that the length of the curtain of the tent would, be, would hang over to the sides. And we're told also that, uh, that they were to make a covering of ramskins dyed red for the tent over the first two. And again, this would be a reminder of the redemption through blood alone. Now, this is interesting that the Lord would, would cause them to, to, to make ram skins, right? Literally, they would take a ram, they would skin them, and they would use the skin and put it over the tabernacle. And I say that this is interesting because if you're familiar with the story there in the book of Genesis, there in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, actually, when it talks about the, the fall of man, when, when Adam and Eve first sinned, we're told that they were made perfect. They were made perfect. And, and, and we're told that, that, uh, that, 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 that they were made perfect, but yet it was Satan who came in and he, and he tempted Eve and Adam, right, and they sinned. And we're told that as soon as they sinned, what was the first thing that they did? That they hid themselves from the Lord. Keep in mind that at this point, there has been no death, right? Everything's been, been made perfect. Adam and Eve have been living there for uh, X amount of time in the garden, right? And, and God's majesty, God's glory, having this one-on-one communion with God, all of, all of a sudden they sin, and we're told that, that they're hiding from the Lord, and so the Lord has to do something is that now the Lord has to, has to make a covering for them because they recognize that they're naked. If you're familiar with the story, they were hiding and, and, and God is walking through the garden and he says, hey Adam, where are you? Right? Not that God didn't know where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to confess his sin and say, I'm right here, Lord, I'm hiding because I messed up. Right? But God said, hey Adam, where are you? Giving him the opportunity to just come before him and say, Lord, I messed up, uh, you know, I repent. Giving him the opportunity to confess his sin. And Adam says, I was hiding because I was naked. And God says, well, who said you were naked? He's like, well, and then Adam tells him, and God tells him, well, you ate of the trees, didn't you? He's like, yeah, but the woman made me do it. They go on to, you know, this back and forth. But what does the Lord do? Notice what it says there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. Why? All of a sudden, they recognize that they were naked. And what does God do? He has to make now coverings, tunics, coverings of skin for them. My opinion is that it was ram skin. Right, because we see here that now God is instructing Moses to, to make a ram skin and, and, and make it as a covering for the tabernacle. And I believe that that would be symbolic of them and, and, a, and a reminder for them for the rest of their time there in the wilderness and the rest of their time there with the tabernacle of that original sin, of, of, of why this was necessary in the first place. Right? This was never, this was never the, uh, to be the, 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 the intent of God, but God's intent for humanity was that we would have this one-on-one communion, this one-on-one fellowship 
unhindered, unrestricted, right? Un, I, I mean, unblocked. I mean, just, just straight coming to the Lord's presence. But because sin came in, God had to kill an animal. You can imagine uh, how traumatizing it would have been for, for Adam and Eve. They've never seen anything die before. You know, and the first, the first person to, 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 to suffer a death because of the sin was this innocent animal. I don't know if you guys have ever seen an animal get killed. I've killed a pig before and a cow and chickens and, and an alligator. I, but but if you, when, you, when you kill an animal, man, it begins to just cry, and especially a pig, they begin to just cry and squeal, and it's uh, traumatizing to the point where you don't even want to eat the meat anymore, right, until hunger kicks in. You're like, all right, I'll take it. But, but it's like you're, you're watching this animal die and bleed to death, and you realize, like, man, even knowing that, that, that it's just the way life is, you, you kind of feel guilty. Like, man, I can't believe I got, this animal's got to suffer so I could eat. And so you could just imagine how guilty, how traumatizing it would have been for Adam and Eve to see this innocent animal killed right before their eyes in order to make a covering for them. And now they're wearing this animal for the rest of their time here on earth. Right? And, and so again, as God is instructing Moses to make this covering now for the, tan, for the tabernacle, this covering of ram skin, it would have been a, a, a constant reminder daily of what God had to do in order to cover them of their sin. And then later on, fulfilled in the New Testament, right, uh, through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us that now Jesus is, is our covering, right? And then now we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. No longer, you know, the, 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 the skin of an animal or the skin of a ram. But now God clothes us with the righteousness of his own son, right? And, and just like that innocent animal had to die, hey, innocent Jesus had to die for our sins, right? So that we could be accepted now before the Father. And so it goes on to say there in verse 15, it says, and the tabernacle you shall make uh, the boards of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the width of each board. It says two tenons shall be in each board for, the, for binding on one another. He says, and you shall make the boards uh, of the tabernacle. He says, you shall make them um, towards the south side, and, and you're going to make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, 20 sockets uh, under each board. He says, and... Uh, on the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, there's going to be 20 boards and 40 sockets, and uh, there's going to be two sockets of silver each on each uh, on each one of the boards. He says, on the far side of the tabernacle, the west side, he says you're going to make six boards, and you're also going to have uh, two of them on the back corners. He says they're going to be coupled together. Uh, he goes on to say uh, they're going to be coupled together by a ring. He says, he says and that's what you do to all the sides of them. He says so there shall be eight boards with their sockets of silver, 16 sockets two sockets under each one of the boards. And then he goes on to say, you shall make the bars of acacia, there in verse 26, uh, of acacia wood. It says five boards for one side of the tabernacle, five boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for, of boards for the other side of the tabernacle. It says the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the boards to the end, and you shall overlay the boards with gold. Make the rings of gold as holders for the bars and overlay the bars with gold. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. And notice that God's going to stress that when it, uh, to Moses as he's giving him these instructions. He's going to continue. Every, every single time he gives them, you know, a little, a few sentences of instructions, he's going to say, and you shall raise it up uh, according to its pattern which you were shown on the mountain. Meaning, all right, Moses, make sure you do it just the way I told you. Right? Exactly the way I told you. Even, even if it doesn't make sense. And for Moses, I can imagine, you know, that, that a lot of the things that he's being told to do don't make sense. He's, he's probably thinking, man, why, why do we have to be so meticulous? Why do we have to be so detail-oriented? Why can't we just do it this way? Why can't we just do it that way? Right? Some of us guys work in construction, and we all answer somebody in our form and says, hey, man, do this. So I want you to run that. Like this. In my head, as he's talking, I'm thinking of four different ways that I could do it besides the way that he's telling me. And that's just the way we are. 
right? I think all of us, not just, not just men in construction, but all of us, right? We're, we're, we're prone to just think, take things into, into, into our own hand, into, into our own matters. And, and, but we see that, again, God is going to be very specific to Moses and say, Moses, don't veer away from the blueprint. Make it this way. Why? Because of that, that, the, the importance of it, right? The significance that it had, the fulfillment that it had in Jesus Christ there in the New Testament. And it says there in verse 31, you shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. Remember, the, the blue symbolizing heaven, the purple just that royalty, that scarlet symbolizing the blood. Right? Blue, purple, red. The heaven, royalty, and the blood. The blood of the King Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf so that we can make it to heaven. And again, it's going to be a constant reminder for them throughout their whole time there in the wilderness. And he says in verse 32, he says, You shall hang it upon the four pillars of acacia wood, overlaid, overlaid with gold. He says, Their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver. And you shall hang the veil from its clasp. And you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. And he says, The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. He says, you shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy. He says, you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand across from the table on the side and the tabernacle towards the south. And you shall put the table on the north side. Now, as God is, again, giving him these building instructions for everything else, right, the rings uh, and all these things, uh, uh, among all these other things, he gives them instructions for, for, for building or sewing together uh, this veil or what we know as, as, a, as a curtain. That's what it was. It was a really, really thick curtain. And this curtain was to separate within the tabernacle. Uh, the tabernacle is the meeting room, but within the tabernacle there was a divider. That was, there was a room that was divided by this veil, and it would separate the holy area from the most holy area. So the most holy area would be behind the veil or behind this curtain. And it would be considered the most holy area because it's where, it's where, where God's presence would, would dwell. Right? And, and the priest was only allowed to go there one time, a year. Once a year, the priest was allowed to go in there and, and to make sacrifice on behalf of the people. Why? Because it was just so holy. We're going to see later on that, that, that he's going to be instructed to wear little bells on him so that when he's in there ministering to the Lord, sacrificing within the holy of holiest, right, they're going to listen to the bells. and like, oh, he's still alive, still walking around. We hear him. If they don't hear the bells anymore for a few hours, like, oh, I think, you know, maybe he wasn't right with God. I think, you know, someone's going to have to throw the hook in there and pull him out, right? But we see that, 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 that there was this veil, this curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Let's say this is a curtain, right? And so we're told that, that, that God, as he instructed them, he said, you're going to bring the Ark of the Testimony behind there. And in the Ark of the Testimony, it was pretty much a box uh, that, that contained the, the, the law, which is the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. We're, gonna, we're told later on that, that it contained a, a little bit of manna, which was given to them in the wilderness. It contained Aaron's, Aaron's rod, which, which, which budded flowers, right? Which showed everyone that he was God's chosen priest. And it, it, it contained a few other things. And, but more than anything, that, that holy of holiest was, again, it contained God's presence amongst the people. We're going to see that later on the, the children of Israel would use you know, this tabernacle as kind of like a, like a rabbit's foot, like a, like a lucky charm. And whenever they, they would go into battle, they would take it out and think, oh, we've got God's presence with us. You know, we're, we're sure going to win. And then they'd get beat up or they'd get overtaken or they'd you know, get just squashed you know, uh, uh, tremendously. And, and, and again, God teaching them that, hey, man, it's not about, you know, the thing. It's not, it's not about the, the religiosity of it, but it's about, you know, God's presence within your heart. Because really, 
that was symbolic of God's presence, but the Bible tells us that God is omnipresent, meaning that he's as much present with us here as he is with the believers in China, the believers in Colombia, the believers in you know, another city, uh, anywhere around the world, really anywhere in the universe. God's presence cannot be divided because he is omnipresent, meaning he is as present here as, uh, at this time as he is anywhere else in the galaxy, in the universe, at the same time. Right? But it was symbolic of God's presence. And so Moses was instructed to, to put this, this, this divider between the holy place and the most holy where God's presence dwelt. Interesting that there in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, now taking it to, to the New Testament, there in Matthew 27, if you're familiar with the, with the story as, as Jesus was being crucified, right? There's, there's, there's a few things that happened as, as Jesus was being crucified. One, there was the seven sayings of Jesus, right? That he said that the, the seven sayings of Jesus while he was on the cross, but we're told that, that once, he, once, he, once he died on the cross, we're told that certain things happened. We're told that, that the whole sky turned black, and we're told that there was a great earthquake. We're told that, uh, that, that many who were in the, in the graves <laughs> came up out of the graves. And then we're told that within the tabernacle, within the, the temple, this veil that we just, that we just saw uh, God instruct Moses to, 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 to sow, we're told that this veil tore from top to bottom. It says this, notice this in, uh, in Matthew 27, verse 50. It says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Symbolizing now this, this, this barrier of separation broken you know, between sinful man and, and holy God. For all of their history, you know, the Jews uh, who, who were familiar with this, they knew that, that there was no way I could go back there, man. That's only, only the priest can go back there, and only once a year, and he had to do all, this, all these rituals and, 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 you know, and, and all these practices only to make, in order to make him, his heart right to even go back there in the first place. And so as, as he prepared himself, as he prepared his heart to go back there and to minister to God on behalf of the people once a year, it's like everybody would knew, man, that's, that's holy right there, right? You, you, know, you can't touch that. Not, not just anybody could go back there. So as, as Jesus was, was hanging in the cross and he died and the this, and this veil was torn from top to bottom, you could just imagine the, the Jews who were ministering there, there in the, at the temple in that time. The majority of them had never seen what it looked like back there. The majority of them, you know, they were just terrified to even go back there or even be in the holy place. And all of a sudden, this temple rips. I doubt many of them were running back there to see what was going on. You know, but I could, I, I could imagine a lot of them were actually fearful of going back there. Right? And, and it's ironic because here's the Son of God giving up his body in order to break down this separation between sinful humanity and holy God, and yet the simple humanity didn't want to approach. But so many times we're like that as well. You know, that, man, we recognize the, the sacrifice that, that Jesus has made in the cross, that we could believe it, we could recite it, right? We could say, recite the prayers, recite the Bible verses, uh, say amen, go to the Bible studies. But yeah, as God is calling you to go deeper into his presence, right? Go deeper into, into intimacy with him. It's like, ah, it's like we hold back. It's like we hold back and, and, and it's like we don't know why, but there's just something that's keeping us from going deeper, Right? Everyone has their own reasons. For me, it was commitment. Right? At first, I knew God. I knew what he was calling me to do. I knew that, that he loved me. I believed, I believed what, what, what the preacher was saying. But I didn't want to go deeper because I felt the sense of commitment. I was fearful of that because I didn't know God. 
Right? Once I knew God, I'm like, man, what am I scared of? Man, God, God only has good things for me. What am I going to be scared of, right? The Bible tells us that all of God's thoughts towards us are good. Every single one of those thoughts are good. And the, and the Bible tells us the, amounts of, the amount of good thoughts that God has towards you. It says in the Psalms that they are as numerous as the sands on the sea. That's amazing. Man, take up just a little handful of, of, of sand in your, in, your, in your palm and try to count them. There's no way you could even count it. And God says that, that, that his good thoughts towards you are as numerous as the sand of the whole sea. But we don't take that into mind, right? I mean, as we come to God and we're fearful, we think, man, uh, I don't know what God has for me. I don't know either, but I can tell you that's good, right? And there should be no, 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 no fear of coming to the Lord because the only, the, the things that, that God has for us, they're all good and they're only good. God can't have anything bad for you, right? Because he is good and there is no evil that comes out of him because he is the embodiment of good. And so as this temple was, was torn from top to bottom, again, it was symbolized this, this barrier of separation that had existed for, for thousands of years, now torn down, and now the people could have this free, open uh, access, this bold access to the presence of God. The writer of the book of Hebrews gives us a little more detail on this there in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. If you have time, I encourage you guys to, to do a study of the book of Hebrews as we're going through, through Exodus, because the writer of the book of Hebrews just ties everything in so perfectly. But he says this there in Hebrews chapter 10, 19, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice how he says, we, are now, we now have that boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. A place that was completely cut off for so many years, uh, except for just to one person, the high priest, once a year. He says, now all of us have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And when, when it says that boldness, you know, it, it, it speaks of just this uh, unrestricted, unhindered, just comfortable access that we have to God. For some of you guys who are, who are you know, grandparents or parents, just imagine your, your, your child coming into, into your bedroom in the middle of the night. Are you going to say, hey, knock first before you come in, or hey, what are you doing here? In the... No, right? Your child could come into your room at any, at any time of the day, any time of the night, with boldness, knowing that, hey, man, this is, this is safe right here. This is my... This is my this is my, 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 this is safety right here, right, this is a good place, right, this is, this is where, 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 where my parents are, this is where my mom's at, where my dad's at, right, this is, this is safe right here, right? they have that boldness to come in, and the writer of the book of Hebrews says, now therefore, brethren, we have that same boldness to enter the holiest of holiest, I mean, the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, he says, and by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us, he says, through the veil that is his flesh. And we see now why, why, why God was so uh, uh, detailed in giving, him, in giving Moses the instructions for, for, for making this, this veil, for making this curtain. He said, because this veil, this curtain that he was, that he was to, 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 to construct, that it was symbolic of the very body of Jesus Christ. And so that veil that, that was torn from top to bottom, it was representative of the body of Christ. Notice what he says again, through that veil that is his very own flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice that. I'll just, I'm going to read the next verse. It says, And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, who promised it is faithful. Man, amazing. 
Amazing, right? Again, the fulfillment of, of all these things. We might read through them, you're like, oh, this is boring, right? I'll be honest, in my personal devotion time, when I get to this part, I, I skip some of these chapters and I don't go, you know, verse by verse like how I always do because, you know, they could get a little, a little uh, repetitive and stuff. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I skip some of these chapters and I, and, I, and I go to the good parts, a few chapters down. But we see that they have a fulfillment. They have a purpose, right? Second Timothy 3.16, God through, through the Apostle Paul says, all scriptures inspired by God and it's profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, then it goes on to say so that the man of God or the woman of God can be complete, whole, lacking nothing. And so when the Bible says that all scripture is, is profitable for us, it means all scripture, even these boring parts or even these, these tedious parts, even these kind of repetitive parts, right? It, they're, all, they're, they're, they're all for us, right? They're all God-inspired. They're all God-breathed, right? And they're all profitable for us, for the believer. And so he goes on to say there in verse 36, it says, you shall make a screen for the door of the tabernacle. It says, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen made by a weaver. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be gold, and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. And now going into, uh, and, into the, the building of, of the altar now, there in, uh, in chapter 27. Uh, chapter 27 starts off by saying, You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide, the altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. He says, so you're going to make its horns uh, on its four corners. Its horns uh, should be of one piece with it, and you, and you shall overlay it with bronze. It says, also you should make its pans to receive its ashes, and its shovels, and its basins, and its forks, and its fire pans. You should make it all of bronze. And you should make a grate for it, a network of bronze, and on the network you should make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar. And you're going to, it says, and you should make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. The poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. And you shall make it hollow with boards as it was shown on the mountain so they shall make it. Did any words stand out to you guys there? Bronze, right? Right. Interesting that as God is giving instructions to Moses, you know, to, to, to build the, 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 the altar of burnt offering, which means this was the place, this was the, 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 the place and the thing which, which when they would come with their offering, with the, whether it was an oxen or a sheep or a goat or a turtle dove, whatever it was that they would offer unto the Lord, right, for a, for a, for a covering of their sins, right, notice that the Lord says, you should, you should make it of bronze. Remember, bronze being that metal that's symbolic of judgment. And so as they're bringing their, their, their sacrifice, as they're bringing their offering, it would, it would be symbolic of them giving their offering and their, and their, their sin being judged there on that bronze altar. And it says there in verse 9, it says, You shall also make the court of the tabernacle for the south side. Uh, there shall be hangings for the court made of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long for one side, and it's 20 pillars. And their 20 sockets shall be bronze, there's the hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be silver. Likewise, along the length of the north side, there shall be hangings on of 100 cubits long with its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets of bronze and the hooks of the pillars with their bands of silver. Says, and along the width of the court on the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits with their 10 pillars and their sockets. This is on the court on the east side again.